0: Welcome to KUDEN, a radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. And welcome to Kudan. It is Friday the 13th. Uh, <laughs> at least when we're. Of oh, a Halloween
1: month. How about that? I
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Does any of the crazy superstitions of Friday the 13th expand beyond the 13th if you listen to this podcast at some other day?
2: <laughs>
0: I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know.
2: I don't know. I'm going to say
0: yes. I'm, I'll, I'll go with yes, sure, uh, if you're superstitious. But uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that you're significantly younger than me, but I remember when the whole Y2K thing was coming around and everybody was afraid the whole world was going to shut down at midnight on, uh, on uh, you know, January 1st of 2000. Right. And um, it, it just – it always made me chuckle because um, I watched the ball drop in Singapore and Japan hours before it was going to drop East Coast here in New York. And, uh, you know, which, which midnight are we talking about, right? So uh, – <laughs> Anyway, just just some strange stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, um, what else I got to talk about with that? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're gonna yeah.
0: we're gonna get into that with with some of how uh, I know how how the ninja would use kind of superstitions and other people's beliefs and kind of to run uh, kind of a psychological advantage. So I know you wanted to, to talk about yeah. that, of course. <laughs> We've got lots to discuss as well. Just uh, again, in current events, um, you know, since we it's been two weeks, since, uh, we didn't have uh, an episode of Kudin last Friday, um, as I, I believe you were vacationing with your your toes in the sand, which is cool. But um, you know, of course, current event wise, there was the shooting in Las Vegas that occurred, and so you know that that leads into much discussion uh, for us. And I know you had sent me a great kind of little article about um, about gear and somebody's kind of, you know, look at gear because that's been something much discussed as, you know, one of the firearm accessories used by the gunmen in that incident. So uh much much to talk about. I don't know if you've got a preference on which one to start with.
1: You're leading this ship, not me.
0: <laughs> well let's start with Friday the thirteenth. Because it, it, it no, is why not? at least uh, today. Um and, and, and yeah, you know, I always kind of found this funny that people would consider a, a number to be unlucky, and, and um, I always like playing with that. So anytime, you know, you could pick your number for something, I'd often pick 13, <laughs> you know, uh, and people look at you like, oh, that's an unlucky number. And you know, so far, no uh, no catastrophe has befallen me. but I think uh, that's befallen you. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Well, and, again, that's another one of those perceptual things, right, because here in the West, you know, we've grown up around these things, and you can look up historically where this stuff came from. Um, I'm not going to go into that because we don't have enough time. Um, but, you know, in Japan, 13 is perfectly fine, right? Yeah. It's the number four that's the unlucky right. number, and that's all wrapped around uh, the, the the pronunciation of the of – the, well, one pronunciation for the number four, because you can say yon or you can say she, right, for the right. number four. So – um one of the big superstition things is that, um, like uh, in Japan, you never you'll never find anything, and I don't know if anybody's noticed if you've gone to Japan. You can't buy things in sets of four. Like here, dinnerware, glasses, uh, you know, yeah. what I mean, like drinking glasses and things like that, uh, are typically sold in sets of four or eight if you're you know got a larger family or whatever. But in sets of four, silverware, all those things, and um, in Japan uh that's always broken up. You you get things in uh as singles or twos or threes, you skip right over four to sets of five, six, never mm-hmm. multiples of four. Um mm-hmm. and it's because uh if you change the kanji for she from uh the one that's used for number four, right? Um I would say it's kinda of like the window with the little eggs in it. Um mm-hmm. if you change from that one to a different kanji, um now you have the kanji for deaf, which is still she, right? So you never congratulate a four-year-old on turning four because you'd have to say she, right? Mm. So you can still have a party, you can still do all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, so there's a whole different thing. So I don't know, do they have Friday the 4th in Japan? I don't know, you know, I, I don't <laughs> think so. But anyway, uh, so, you know, all I want to really really say about this is you know, there's there's a huge proliferation in the martial arts and self-defense world, and I think it's because we all have really strong personalities. We're all very, very confident. Um, we want to know that we're right because this is a very serious topic, right? I mean, it literally, we are really, literally are talking about life and death, right? So people want to know that what they're doing is right and all that. So there's all these arguments about, you know, what's right, what isn't. Um, there's, you know, arguing with friends and family and loved ones, uh, when it comes to whether or not they should uh, learn self-defense. Uh, personally, I've always made sure that my children did it, whether they wanted to or not, uh, because I was dead and I know what the world's like. But I never forced my wife to do it, right? Uh, I love her to death, but at the same time, um, I'm not going to force anything upon someone, Um Anyway, a teacher once said, you can't re-educate the masses. So, mm. and the ones that you can help the most are the ones that will seek you out, not the ones that you've, uh, ga- you know, tried to sell on. But anyway, within the martial arts and self-defense world, there are these, there's this huge proliferation of people trying to browbeat everybody else. You know, your way is mm. wrong, my way is the right way, that kind of thing, right? And um, uh, from... A certain perspective, um, I say leave them alone. Mm-hmm. I say let them have their beliefs. Um, why would you want to re educate someone into into fighting or uh, having the same level of skill that you have when that person could turn around and use those things on you? Right. So, you know, let the Taekwondo people or Tic Tac Doe, or I, I don't want to. Pick on any given art or whatever. Right? Let everybody do whatever it is that they're doing. I mean, if they're tactically or strategically off, and they don't want to learn a better way or a different way or whatever to do it, smile and nod
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: because you can use you can use that against them. I mean, same thing. You know, people believe that you know Friday the thirteenth somehow going to be a crappy day for them because all the wackos will come out. Um, You know, I'm not saying that you have to go and use and manipulate people and things like that, but um, if this were somebody that's causing ill will in your life, why not help them out with that? Yeah. Um, Instead of trying to convince them that it's not or anything like that, why would you expend the extra energy to begin with? But, um, you know, this is one of those things where if you've got somebody that uh, is... You know, not a productive, helpful part of your life. Um, here's another tool, right? Especially yeah. if you find out that they're all about uh, this or some other superstition, right? Um, why not? Okay.
0: Yeah, and and you know, it's interesting, kind of looking back at some of you know uh, ninja history that that you know this these ideas about the ninja would get kind of proliferated, and well, they didn't they didn't go on some you know. Campaign to stomp it out. Like no, 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 no. We can't really disappear into the night, and uh, you know we don't we don't turn into animals or any of these other wild kind of things that no. come a- around. When you talk about the ninja, There's, they were happy to let people have whatever false, uh, you know, misconceptions about it because they could see that as another tool of of just having that in the mythos of people's minds uh, was a, was an advantageous thing.
1: And in certain instances, they actually nurtured it. Right, (laughs) because there there, there are these mythological creatures in Japan called tengu. Right, Uh Um, there's actually two two primary types. You know this, but this is for everybody else. There are two primary types. Um, One looks very goblinish, where uh, the the face is almost like this big fat child or whatever, but has this big long goblin nose. Right, and they're both forms are tricksters. Um, But the, the the idea behind a tengu is that it does to perpetrators what perpetrators do to their victims, okay? So if somebody's a deceiver, a manipulator, whatever, right, as legend has it, this form of tengu will appear before them in some kind of form, right, and basically do to them what they do to other people, okay? The other form of tengu, which a lot of folks that maybe have done some historical research and need to are familiar with, it's the one that has the hawk's head and the wings. Uh, you know, some people say hawk, some people say crow. But it's the one that looks like it's half man, half bird. Uh, that tengu, that form of tengu, is strictly a protector of warriors. So if uh, a warrior has been slighted uh, through manipulation or whatever, then uh, this form of tengu will go after their antagonizers. Right. So, um, Ninja actually used both. Uh, they, they had masks created, uh, for both. Mm. And they mm. would appeal out of, appear out of the darkness, right? And they would really use this whole superstition thing against people. Um, so if, you know, if you believe that it's there, then hey, uh, why not, right? I mean, we're already the underdog, so, um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, brandishing a, uh, a rusty blade, whether it's a mm. shittaken or a tonto or whatever, right, in a time when there was were no tetanus shots, right, and Lockjaw claimed the lives of lots of people, right, so you mm. brandish one of those things in front of a warrior who most likely watched a friend or three die, um, this terrible, long, agonizing death because they have been cut by a dirty blade, and this person will probably take off long before you ever have to touch him with the blade. Mm. Uh, or... Uh, you know the, uh, the the threat of fire, right? Ancient Japan was constructed almost entirely of wood and paper, right? Fire was an ever-present threat, right? So why not? So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, just this is one of those things that uh, we don't talk about a lot because we try to stay on the positive side of training, but uh, again. Uh, you know, we talk about this a lot, where folks just, they, they tend to want to squeeze this entirety of need to into just this physical self-defense fighting thing, and there's so much more. I mean, you know, this is just one of those examples of the psychological warfare side of things, right, that uh, sometimes if, if, you know, and, and I just did a class this morning for my Friday uh, long-distance coaching students, and uh, the topic was on uh developing your information gathering skills, and uh one of those hmm. things uh that we discussed was in um uh, knowing as much as possible about the people in your life, your boss your uh extended family members, your friends, and all that i mean you know i don't I wouldn't say that you had to go as far as you know creating a dossier on them or whatever, but you know you can keep your ears and eyes open and learn about them so that you can use it in any any regards. I mean, you can, you can uh, mention. You know, if you know it's your boss's daughter's birthday, you just kind of heard it on the side or whatever. You know, you can say, "Hey, I heard it. You know, it's your uh, daughter's birthday. Hey, you know, tell her I said happy birthday." Whether he does or doesn't is is a moot point. But mm-hmm. what you just did was establish a, 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 a certain level of rapport or a connection with this person that at some point you may need time off, you may need a favor or whatever, and you know, human nature is that we are more likely to do favors for and give things to people that we feel connected to. Um and if that you know and a lot of people I know, you know, I'm not schmoozing, I'm not brown nosing I don't care if you care about this person or not, but how about if you see this as a tool, right? How about if you see this as a as a as a way to, you know, be able to handle things. And of course you could use it in the other direction as well, should this person uh, start to do things to you that uh, wouldn't be good, right? You could always mention something here or there that uh, could keep them uh, at bay or, uh, you know, um, in a different condition of unbalance, let's call it. So, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so uh, this is just another one of those things where it's it's not about the same kind of external kamae that people feel comfortable with. And, and I, I can see where people would gravitate to the, to the to the physical martial arts side of the training almost exclusively because it's easily quantifiable, right? The yeah. technique is either right or it's not. The kamae is either right or it's not. The fist is either right or it's not. You know, um, you could duke it out with somebody and find a winner or a loser. Um, you know, using these emotional uh, skills, the psychological skills, the psycho-emotional skills, the you know the the, uh, the TI or, or what we might call in today's world non-linguistic programming and those kind of things. Maybe not so easy to see the results immediately, right? So yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, so tis what it is. All right, so I'll stop talking now.
0: No, that's uh those are some great points and, and you know it's it's just interesting uh how how some people really uh, take hold of some of these superstitions and, and others don't. But uh yeah, Friday the thirteenth always a fun day, uh here at least for us in uh in American culture. But uh oh, yeah. as you kinda of mentioned before, um, you know, uh if somebody says they're a, a She Don, you might want to uh you know yeah. Twice.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, so, something that kind of ties back to that Y2K thing, uh, you know, while I'm not Friday the 13th superstitious I am also acutely aware that there are people who are
2: uh-huh.
1: and either may be thrown off their game because they are now tuned in to all the dumb stuff that could be going on in the world and blame it on Friday the 13th. Or right. use this as an excuse for going off the you know, going off the wagon or whatever. Um, my concern with the Y2K thing wasn't that the world was going to just shut down and all the electronics were going to stop working and all that. My concern were the people who may have decided that, you know, the world's going to end so they can do whatever the hell they want,
0: mm. and that
1: was going to mm-hmm. come in my direction, right. you know. So while my wife and I did stockpile a couple of things, we didn't go all out. We didn't buy all kinds of weird, you know, extra things and all that. We bought some extra cases of food and some uh, propane, those small propane tanks for lanterns and things, because we camped and we did all kinds of things anyway. And the idea was, you know, we'd be remiss in not prepping, but so if something happened, we at least had a little bit to hold us over. If nothing happened, the stuff that we stockpiled was stuff that we normally eat anyway, and we would have gone through it over the next couple of months. And mm. these propane things that we had, right, we had a we had a, a little mini gas grill kind of thing and all that that used these little tanks. So over the course of a couple of months, we would have gone through this stuff anyway. Um, so it wasn't – we didn't see it as a waste of money. We saw it as a due diligence um, just in case but at the same time. But my concern wasn't that the world was going to shut down and, you know, all these big stories that were flying around right um uh, that wasn't my concern my concern was human nature and yeah, what right. some people may have decided to do so uh, so it's just you know same same situation but different um a different cause for the, or a different uh problem maybe how about that right so
0: yeah well uh you know kind of moving into our our, our next segment here um you know certainly a, a huge tragedy occurring in in Las Vegas uh, with this, this gunman who, you know, killed over 50 people, uh, folks attending a, a country music concert and an open air venue. Um, you know, and it was, it was one of these, uh, you know, some, some folks had kind of indicated like, oh, you know, you never, you'd never would expect something like this to happen, which on, on some level, you know, that makes sense to, to most people. And then others kind of weigh in on this going, oh, this is, this is classic, um, you know, something that we've always known could, could be an issue just, Nobody's ever really taken it to this extent and, until now. That yeah, there's these high-rise buildings that look down on an, an area where a crowd is, and it's just a, essentially a kill box for somebody, uh, and that's what yeah. this this person's take took advantage of. Um, but you had kind of sent me this interesting link uh, of an article or a, a little comment somebody had written you know, about gear, because so much of, of, you know, the aftermath and the news cycle we hear has been focused on, you know, what what weapons he used, and particularly this item called a, a, a bump stock, uh, which allowed him to increase the firing rate of his his firearms. And, um, you know, for him, it allowed him to, to put many more, you know, uh, bullets downrange at, at the innocent people below. But, um, you know, so many people that kind of for lack of a better term right now, you know, you may call them gun nuts who just want to collect and collect. And uh, they've got, you know, about 10 different accessories and scopes hanging off of the framework of their firearm. Um, you know, this, this, if if I'm recalling the article kind of correctly, it really, you know, the gear only does so much, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many additions you throw onto a firearm that, uh, you know, that, that doesn't make a good, a piece of protection or warrior—it's—it's it's training behind what you have, and uh, so I thought that was an interesting piece that he was mentioning about the gear involved as people were focusing on you know all these things that are are parts of gear. Yeah, and you know I
1: mean the, the guy just—he had a lot of firearms up there, and I—here's here's my take on it. Um, while the guy had experience in training in firearms, he was by no means a sniper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the, the big things that I saw coming out because remember I was at sea when when this occurred right so my wife and I are flashing you know flipping through the the stations on our uh, on our uh, onboard TV and uh, this news things pops up and, and I'm looking at this and I'm just you know part of me uh, part of my uh, my heart sunk because I'm at sea and I can't can't help with anything and then I see a couple of reports where uh, one of my friends and his wife um were actually in Vegas when that occurred. They were uh they were wow. actually at that venue, but they were at the other end of the venue, right? Mm. And they heard the shots fired and all that. Uh one of his friends, uh, the daughter was actually shot and was rushed mm. off to the hospital. Uh she had actually survived and all that. So it became very personal to me. Um but I you know, was kind of stuck because I couldn't I couldn't reach out more than I mean, what do you say? You know, yeah, uh, I right. can't say anything else that other people aren't saying, but that doesn't help anything. You know, uh, I feel your pain. No, no, I don't. Um, what I, what I want to say is, um, I wish I could be there, um, you know, in an hour, right, whatever. Right. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, this again becomes another debate between, uh, how many guns are enough too much, whatever. Right. Um, uh, yeah. But, you know, but way back when I was trained in counter-terrorist operations um, in uh, the 80s, in Germany, right, Germany was a gun-free zone, except that all the terrorists still had guns, they still had explosives and all that. So um, I don't know that that's a, that's a good argument. And remember, please remember that I'm not pro-gun, anti-gun, or whatever. To me, mm-hmm. firearms are tools, just like everything else. And my belief is, as long as the bad guys have them, um, I should have them, and... Uh, Whether I'm a private citizen or not, uh, you know, I'm a security specialist, and uh, so uh, because I have my own firm and all that, um, I can actually get licenses to have things that most people can't. Do I? Mm -hmm. No, because I don't have a need for them at the moment. Um, Because, again, my focus is on it's a tool, right? But, uh, you know, a couple of things that came out of this, again, was the – uh, the the admonition on the on the part of the family, especially the brother that they kept interviewing, right? That they just never saw anything like this. They, you know, they, as far as they knew, he wasn't associated with any groups. They never saw any the mental instability. He never talked about anything like this or being disgruntled at the world. And um, yeah. I, I, I kind of got busy with some other things I was working on, so I haven't seen uh, more recent news things. So if you've seen something. Uh, that contradicts that. Please let me know. Uh, but you know, it's another thing where it just started off with the, you know, nice guy. You know, nothing's ever going to happen. And we've talked about this over the course of a couple of, um, a couple of episodes where you know my, my specialization outside of the dojo is in workplace violence training for companies and, and things like that. So you know, a lot of these companies are just resistant on this, uh, on this getting help in their in their place or getting the kind of training that saves lives because everybody here gets along. We don't have any problems. Everybody here is, you know, they're all nice and well-adjusted. And um, But here again, here's this guy, right? This yeah. well-adjusted guy uh, rained down all these rounds, you know, in this venue. Um, so uh, I'm actually in the middle of writing an article now for uh, corporate people to read uh, because – uh, you know the first thing I thought was how the las Vegas incident um even more so than the previous concert that we had talked about, where the you know the explosives had you know gone off and things yeah, like that. In uh, yeah in
0: Manchester yeah this
1: one yeah so um uh how this one even more should show and actually serves as a model of natural human response, especially for people who are not trained or not prepared for this kind of thing. And what they will do and um, how, if we're not careful, we as uh, even trained people, if we're not careful, our own prior programming, and some of this programming goes all the way back to preschool or kindergarten, right, will actually come out and uh, supersede our learned training, right, our self-defense training and, and theoretical training, because I'm going to call it theoretical and academic training, because for a lot of people they've done nothing more than, than read things online or read books or whatever, but mm. they've never actually had to put it into use, right, yeah. whether it's been training exercises or actually ducking bullets like I and, and other people have done, um, and how this, this prior programming can, can supersede things. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But this this is a really good model to show, uh, you know, how this guy didn't have to be a sniper and all he had to do was fire into a crowd and how he could just plan on the fact that the first couple of rounds would put 70% of that venue in a pocket
2: mm-hmm. and create
1: a bottleneck to where he could just pull the trigger, right? Yeah, And um, – so, you know, the, the big thing is uh, everybody's talking about the problem, right, and everybody wants to blame firearms. They want to blame the NRA. They want to blame who knows, right? They, they want to play the blame game. Um, I'm just a, not a big fan of anyone. And I don't care if they're my student or the news or politicians or whoever. Throwing a problem out there and complaining about a problem but they don't simultaneously propose a solution. And I yep. mean like a well-thought-out solution. I don't mean like, well, look at this. This is just, uh, you know, proof that uh, you should get, you get rid of all guns. Uh, good luck with that.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Australia tried, right, and the crime rate went up, uh, what, uh, 90% or something like that in the first six months, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good, okay, because all you got was citizens, uh, well-adjusted citizens to surrender their firearms. But either way, right, even if you could make it happen, Right. Um, you can buy fertilizer. Right. So anyway, there's lots of ways to do this. Yeah. So um, so what I did was I just kind of jotted down a couple of points that because uh, uh, I don't want to do these things. I don't. I don't want to just be talking about the problem. And I think people have gotten that now, based on a lot of the episodes that we do. Uh, we talk about one of these problems, or we use it as a model, and we simultaneously offer suggestions. But remember. <laughs> I just thought about this the other day. You remember? You remember training with uh, Shidochi Malmstrom? Do you remember? Uh, I
0: don't. I don't got a cha- I never got a chance to train with him.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Shidochi Malmstrom, um, uh, Bud Malmstrom, for some of you people that know his first name, uh, he was fond of starting off seminars with this phrase. So I can't take credit for it. However, I have borrowed it, and I'm going to use it today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything I'm about to teach you, or everything I'm about to tell you, is crap right, Hmm. which really gets people to pay attention, okay, and it's not crap because it doesn't work, it's not crap because I can't make it work, it's crap because until you take it and work with it, until you can do it to the extent you will need to be able to do it, it's crap, it's worthless, Hmm. right, and lots of people have a lot of knowledge and a lot of information. Like, they know historical details and or they may even know this kata or that katha or this waza or that technique or whatever, but it's still in the crap bin because they haven't, you know, worked with partners who will resist, will escape it, will whatever, to Mm -hmm. where they really get to know it. Um, So it's going to work in in a combat condition, right? Uh, A lot of folks, you know, it's just easier to sit behind their computer the laptop device or whatever, argue with other pinheads, I'm um, sorry, other people um, with <laughs> lower mentalities and things like that um, <laughs> uh, on forums or whatever. Uh, theoretically, right, uh, which is why you don't find me in these forums arguing with people because I'm not arguing my experience over their ideas. So yeah. it's just, I'm, you know, and, and you'll find that most people, uh Jack Hoban doesn't get involved in these kind of things because he's seen combat. Bud Maltrow doesn't get involved in these kind of things. Um, they will both very quickly tell you that you're full of shit, but that's as far as it goes, <laughs> right? Um, because, and most people that have the actual combat experience don't get involved in crap like that, because until you can match experience for experience and discuss things from that level, and even if you could, right, the experiences are unique. So, you know, you just understand that no matter how much you train... Once you get there, it's going to be different, yeah. and you're going to be different, and you're going to be di- way different afterwards, right? Uh, so those who have been there tend to not talk about specific incidents. They may mention that they understand what you're talking about. They may mention that, you know, like I do every once in a while, where, you know, once you've ducked bullets or you've been there, you're never going to be the same or we'll make comments like that. Um, talking about actual incidents um, brings back memories we don't want to think about. So mm. – uh, but anyway, uh, so I just you know I don't have those conversations with people. But um, again, one of my biggest pet peeves uh, that I see and that I, I just won't engage in are when people uh, and you'll see I'm sure you've seen these blogs or articles that some of these guys have written. The ones that want to be the the policeman of the boujinkan or they want to be seen as the the top guru. So they're always slamming other people and you know and what they're doing is they're slamming other people to elevate themselves. You know my thought is. I don't need to slam these people, right? I leave them up to God or the universe or karma or whatever you want to call it because eventually they'll get theirs, right? So, but anyway, um, uh, they you know, they go on these little rampages to try to fix everything and solve the, the problems, but they don't offer a solution, right? They just talk about how badly people think about things or whatever, but they don't give the readers or the listeners or the videos or whatever tips to avoid that kind of thinking or uh, ways to be able to identify this kind of uh, mentality or, you know, this kind of manipulation when it's coming at you or how to be able to spot this kind of a deceiver or whatever it is, right? So I never want us to have an episode or or have, you know, these discussions where we don't talk about the problem, but we don't simultaneously toss a solution out there. And I think we've been pretty good at it, so – uh, people have to let us know, or you'll have to make sure that you, you know, hold my feet to the fire um, if we ever slip on that. Because I don't want yeah. this to be a ranting, raving morning show after whatever you point sure. right? Where yeah. we we just get on there and talk about how bad the government is, or how bad you know this group right. of people is, or whatever. But we're not really offering a solution um, that has any kind of validity, right? right. It's just our idea. We don't like the way they do it, so we're going to do it this way. So I just need to convince everybody to do it this way. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no. Okay. What I want to do is give people considerations so that they stand a better chance uh, or have a greater uh, advantage when it comes to surviving situations like this. Because you know the guy was raining stuff down. Not yeah. only could people be hit from bullets coming from a what was it, 37th floor or something like that, right? Uh,
0: uh, yeah, I think so. so. Thirty this second. This guy was maybe. sight
1: unseen, right? Yeah. yeah sight unseen, right? Uh, but because of the the, the way ammunition is, is made and because of the, the surface uh, of this venue, right, the ground and everything, right, these bullets were fragmenting. So a lot of the injuries actually occurred because people were getting hit with fragments uh, mm. as the rounds hit the ground and then split into pieces, right? So, um, you know, anyway. Um, but um, – like I said, I wanted to come up with some of these things, but before I before I point out a couple of uh, ideas for um, handling situations like this a little bit uh, better, right, giving yourself an advantage, um, what was your take on all this stuff? Because, you are you know, you're much closer to the newsroom. You work on a radio station. So um, what did you pull out of this stuff?
0: Well, uh, you know, a lot of it is, as you mentioned, because of of the industry I'm in, I, I've seen a lot of it as the media coverage and, you know, I echo a lot of what you say is that, uh, you know, I hear a lot of the talk talk radio and news cycle of things and, and everybody jumps to um, talking about the problem and, you know, the gun problem in the country, uh, but not, not anybody really offering up any kind of substanti- substantial, you know, solutions or ideas um, that further that discussion. It's just you're either for or against or, the, you know, that's it. Um yeah. But you know, and here's also, the thing. I
1: want to throw this in. Yeah, let me throw yeah. this in before we, before we keep going with this, right? Um, and here's this thing with the solution or problem. It's not that you know them offering a solution of you know let's get rid of the guns or tighter gun control or more psychological you know background checks or whatever. That that it's not that that's not a solution, but that's a long term solution. See, here's my question, right? How will that make People going to concerts or venues or going to work every day or whatever, safer after you finish talking to them in your microphone during your new show. Kind of like other people in the field of workplace violence security, a good percentage of these people make their money by doing uh, classes, right? They're workplace violence awareness and prevention classes, right? There's a slide presentation, you show up, you end up being a graduate of uh, Thursday's class at 1 p.m. or whatever, right? Um, but these classes do nothing to make these individuals' workplaces more safe and secure from a workplace violence incident. It raises awareness, but it does nothing to fix anything, right? So while they may throw out a couple of hints and tips for recognizing when somebody's starting to get hostile or whatever, what have, what have you presented or, or how have they uh, you know, increased uh, the, or decreased the likelihood of the person actually getting there? Uh, say I always come at things backwards from the way the, the way most people think of things. So when somebody tells me that they they don't want to institute self-defense training, at least even low-level self-defense training, in their company for fear that they will have a greater problem with violent outbursts, because now people know how to really hurt other people, than they would if they just didn't touch it, I say, well, that's backwards, because I'm much more dangerous with a knife than a trained surgeon, um uh, So (laughs) you don't want me to go into the operating room, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, but the reality is that as soon as you institute training like that in a company, anybody thinking about acting out physically is now less likely to act out because all their coworkers are more adept at preventing them from doing what they wanted to do. So they either need to calm down or find a better place. Right, yeah. so the, iron, the you know, the the logic is missed on folks that by getting the training, and by providing the training, you actually decrease the likelihood of somebody acting out than increasing it. Right? Otherwise, we'd have, you know, incidents in police stations all across the country every day, cops shooting cops. Right? Mm-hmm. You'd have uh, incidents on, uh, you know, military installations and all that. When these things are Happen at a much lower rate than in the general sector so but anyway um yeah so again when we when we put out a solution, the solution that you come up with you know does it does it help you become more safe today tomorrow this week, yeah. not something that legislation has to be passed over the next couple of months or years, and then implementation is going to take six months to five years. Right? That's how do we fix it or how do we put something in place to make people more safe more quickly? Yeah.
0: Does that
1: make sense? Well and
0: and the emotional impact of these types of tragedies always skews you know, thinking and it can be rather difficult. And, and that's what I hear a lot of the media as well, because, you know, the news cycle from what you see on cable TV to talk radio, you know, their job is to get ratings and to do that. You know, they're going to plug into the emotional uh, this side, left or right side of the discussion and try to keep that, you know, inflamed argument going because it benefits it benefits them as, you know, sure. the listeners and keeping them he- uh, held listening longer. But, you know, really, yeah. uh, I think it's important to realize, you know, we've, we've got to step back from the tragedy of this. You know, a great example here is is that, um, you know, we've had a, a rash of wildfires this, this past week in, in California, especially northern California, uh, right around where I'm at, that have broken out. And, you know, these fires have killed almost as many people Uh, and burnt down neighborhoods of homes um, as as this gunman has killed people in Las Vegas. So to kind of put it uh, in a a certain perspective, uh, what you don't hear is anybody uh, whipping up talk of, well, should we ban all fireplaces? Should we ban cigarettes because, you know, somebody tossing a butt out a window could have sparked these fires that killed 30 to 40 people, and that number keeps growing. Uh, But but folks don't equate – uh, you know, it's it's well well death by a fire we feel is more natural tragedy in which case it wasn't caused I'm, I'm pretty sure by a natural disaster here and that happens uh, every year that, in California
1: right right right
0: right so right. we've got this we've got this <laughs> acceptance of what's acceptable tragedy and what's non acceptable that we feel well we can legislate that out of existence and and I think the reality is it doesn't matter what they end up doing if they take them all away or they take none away. Um, these types of incidents are going to continue to happen, and they're going to change. They're always going to be something that nobody had seen before. I mean, there's, it, it seems like that's what always happens. Nobody thought that's nobody thought somebody was going to gonna fly into planes it. into into you know tall towers, and then it happened. Uh, and, and actually, you know, that's not it hasn't true. happened again, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that well, I mean,
1: four or five years beforehand. So but
0: right, anyway, but sure. I mean, but the, to the general kind of populace of you know, you go about your day to day, you never thought. Somebody was going to hijack planes and fly them into those buildings on 9/11. Same kind of thing. Nobody, nobody really went to this concert anticipating somebody's going to rain down, you know, bullets from high above. So it, it's, it, you know, I think we're always what I don't hear people discussing, and and we we tend to be the ones to discuss it. Is is you know proper training about awareness, situational awareness that you know you don't have to be a paranoid individual, but just the just a little bit of recognition of of things when they happen because they're always going to catch you off guard in some sense because you're going to be you know i think even if you're extremely well trained you go to a country concert and you're listening to the guy singing on stage um you know and shots rang out there's going to be some level of delay of going wait a minute what's happening but how how quickly from that delay of going what's happening do you get to i need to find cover i need to find exit uh, and those things you know those are the things that nobody in the mainstream news has anybody on that i've seen yet that talks about as as a as an expert on you know self defense and and that kind of thing to really get into the meat of discussion of how come more people don't get that kind of training you know, the, well, the, and, the, and, you know They just of, don't
1: uh, I'm sure some of them are are you know they're they're not gonna bring on somebody like me who says you know um uh, manchester right okay. Mm-hmm. Now people, it should be top of mind that a concert makes an awesome venue for, you know, harming a mass, you know, a large group of people um, very easily, right? So why are people that are going to concerts not more prepared, not more focused, not more aware? Why are they still saying, I never thought this would happen here, Mm -hmm. right? Why are they, you know, I never thought this would happen to me? You know, so – and I know I'm singing to the choir because most people that are listening to the to the show today and will be listening to the podcast later, um, you know, we do think about these things, but we have to also catch ourselves being complacent, right, um, because we can talk about being ready, but are you, right? Do you look for possible exits or escape routes or whatever should something occur where you are, right? Uh, the concert that I went to with my wife, that Guns N' Roses concert uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, a couple of months ago, right? I, I, you know, I I saw the layout of this thing, and I'm up in the stands and thinking, this is just not going to be good, right? Mm -hmm. So I was positioning myself and trying to be in a place where, um, should something occur, and these people stampede, you know, um, I'm not just swept away with this, right? So, um, but anyway... Uh, I have a couple of points that uh, that I, I want people to consider if, uh, mm-hmm. if we have time for that to throw at this. So, uh, and this is again food for thought. Please, you know, really give it some serious thought as, as far as uh, putting into your training. But I'm not talking about, uh, you know, studying Nijutsu or studying these things or just giving it that kind of thought. Remember, there's a huge difference between studying something. Right, most people should say they study ninjutsu because, from my experience, most people don't practice ninjutsu, right? They do it when they're in a dojo, but they don't do it a lot when they're not, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's because, they, you know, they train in the vacuum, right? And then there's the ability to study and practice to the point where you can apply it without having to think about, what would, what would my ninjutsu teacher say? What did he say in class? While bullets are raining down, or while fists are flying at you, or you know whatever. Okay, so uh, in no particular order, right? Uh, just jotted out a couple of notes here before we get started. Uh, one of them is to, to know the the lay of the land. Okay, and what this is really pointing to is awareness and um, uh, what I put here. <laughs> Can't read my own writing. Um, oh, mental notes, right? Uh, awareness and mental notes. So as you, you know, you've, you've gone through the for, even from the time that you parked, right? You're going through the gates and, and you give your tickets and all that stuff, and right. Um, this is the main entrance, right? Which you have to know is going to be the main point of egress or uh, regress when people want to escape, right? Uh, this is probably not the best place to run to when when something occurs, right? Because just like this guy did, right? Remember that the, a targeted attack is planned around getting the most number of people possible. And that's mm-hmm. going to be based on knowing what people will do instinctively when bad things happen. Yeah. And that's what he did. He just waited until the to the crowd, you know, just you know, it first couple of shots just got people moving, right? And then from there it was like shooting fish in a barrel, so to speak, right? So it's yeah. moving from point A to point B, right, um, keeping track of, you know, doorways and things like that. Um, uh, and, I, again, I put these down in no particular order, but uh, tied together with this, but they're not exactly the same, right, is doing advanced prep. Okay, and this, this gets pulled from my bodyguard uh, training and all that, right? Uh, you do prior prep, right? Once you buy your tickets, my wife and I always go online and we bring up the venue. I mean, there's rarely any venue that you can you can't bring up and know where your seating is, and then know where the layout is. What you can't see often are like security uh, or uh, restricted entry pathways and things like that. And a lot of these things don't have like keypads and all that. They're just they're just doors, right? But it's for employees only, or it's for security personnel only, or authorized mm-hmm. personnel only, or whatever, right? You can keep track of these doors, right? You can keep track of where these things are. Uh, I'll get to, to this in a, in a minute because th- they're going to come in handy. But any kind of map like that, and one of the first things you learn in the military when you do land navigation is while you learn how to orient a map to the, to the earth and you do your declination diagram and you do your little degree adjustment from magnetic north to true north and you arrange your grid lines and all that kind of stuff, right, you also understand – that the map is not the terrain. Mm
2: -hmm. So that's
1: why forward Mm -hmm. observers and and in bodyguard work, uh, there's always somebody that goes in a day or a week ahead to get eyes on the actual venue, eyes on Mm. the actual environment, right? So you're not just looking at blueprints, you're looking at what it actually looks like in real life. Because the more information you have ahead of time, the more you can plan, even if you just put something into the back of your mind, uh, like that accident that I had where I hit that ice and went off that cliff, right? Um, the fact that I had, prior to that, years before that, um, had visualized what I would do to get out of a car in a certain position and, and all those kind of things, and, and had these multiple escape route things that I could select one from the Rolodex and carry out yeah. very quickly got me out of that car before it rolled down the rest of the way and just, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have survived. Right? So... Uh, but know the lay of the land as you're moving through things and you know put eyeballs on things identify stairwells and and you know uh, places where you might go right entrances to to the uh, concession stands or whatever anything that would put more brick block and metal between you and somebody else should something occur right These are also things that will get you out of um, out of the way of the stampede right uh, but again, doing the advanced prep Right. Look at the venue. Look at the maps. Know where you will be. In, in, you know, reference to other things. That kind of gives you a bird's eye view. That will be a visualization kind of thing, because when you're on the ground, that's one perspective. Uh, for the people that do uh, mikio with me, right, we have this two mandala, right. Yeah. Once the perspective of you looking at all these things around you, right, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. can't see the forest for the trees. But then there's this other perspective that's like the God's eye view looking down from the Goodyear blimp on the stadium, right? You can't see the details that the people in the stands can see, but you can see the whole stadium, right? So it would be great to have this dual perspective, right, when you, when you have to act out. So then leading into this other one, um, remember that restricted exits are fair game in an emergency. Unless there's a keypad on it that keeps you locked out and you can't get through the door, just because it says authorized personnel only or concession personnel or security or whatever, it's just its a door, right? Yeah. If it gets you right. out of the line of fire, use it. And here's what I was talking about earlier when I said that a lot of this prior programming goes all the way back to preschool and kindergarten, right? That's mm. when we first mm-hmm. learned how to do fire drills. Stand right. up, form an orderly line, and follow the leader out of the building, Right. Okay, (laughs) guess what? People still do that trying to get out of uh, a crash train, plane, bus, or building, or whatever. They all run for the primary portal. And Mm. if you've Mm. ever been on public transportation, you're lucky if you can get 20% of the the passengers into an aisle at any given time, or all the aisles at the same time, right? So the safest place on a plane or a bus or whatever is actually along the bulkhead or along the, the walls of the vehicle, um, by the windows and stuff like that, and the fastest route from point A to point B is actually over the seats. Not forcing your way stronger or faster through a sea of people, all going in the same direction and all fighting for the same position. Right. Right? So keep these exits and things like that in mind, right? Uh, next one that I wrote down was stay lower than everyone else. Okay? While we'd like to save people, um, you can't save everybody. And in a, in a sea like that, you've got the people you're responsible for if they're willing to stay with you and they don't panic and go running off or they just, you know, fight against your your help, right? Um, you want to get lower than everybody else. It's kind of like being uh, in a lightning storm, right? You don't want to be the tallest, tallest thing in the field, right? So you're actually putting, if you can't put brick, block, and steel between you and the bullets or you and the muzzle, then you put as much flesh and bone between you and the muzzle, okay? Um, You turn everybody else into your bodyguards. And I know how unpopular that's going to sound, but it is what it is. Get low, and that way you're not – you don't have any of these extremities uh, standing up. And the last thing I want to throw out there is uh, this is whole, uh, you know, related to the ninja, right? When you can't get out, then become invisible. And the quickest way to become invisible is to lie down – Right? Not when people are like plowing through. Find a place that you can throw your body, right, out of that sea of swarming people and lie down and play dead. Because the truth is that an aggressive uh whether it's an active shooter or an enemy combatant or whatever, nobody wastes ammunition on dead bodies. So if you can't get out, lay down yeah. and play dead. You're now not a target. Right? You just increase your your survivability by a couple of hundred, couple of thousand percent. Okay, so again, you know, no kumai, no onikudakis, no, you know, uh, ski shikanken, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this is active response, but we have to one fight our own prior programming, right, and and have a better plan that is top of mind and not something that we heard on Friday the 13th in October of 2017 and it's three <laughs> years later and we're trying to fight to pull that out of memory when we couldn't yeah. do it sitting around the you know the the kitchen table discussing things with friends other than well, I remember him saying something and I, I think one of the points was but we're going to have to do it when loud things are going off and people are screaming and shoving and pushing and you're trying to make sense of, of orientation and, and, and to maneuver around a, you know, an environment like that. Um, this is where training comes in. This is why bodyguard teams and, and SWAT insertion teams train day in and day out that when that command is given, everybody knows where their hands go, everybody knows which part of the, the principle they're grabbing, everybody knows exactly which point in the room they're heading for, and if something happens at that point, they know exactly where the next point is. Um, Without that kind of training, without that kind of thinking, you know, it's, the the sad thing is that so many people spend so much time, effort, and money in their martial arts and self-defense training on a cursory level, hmm. but not to the extent that when bad things happen, they die just like everyone else. And it's, you know, the, the chance of you getting hit by one of these rounds, the first couple of ones that go off or whatever, it's still pretty good right? But we're really talking, we're not making it invincible, we're talking about increasing your chances of survival right? Right. So um, anyway I wanted to throw out those five things because they you know um, they're a help. So again we don't want to talk about the the problem and hopefully people notice that uh, you know while we may have mentioned it in passing, Eric and I did not spend a lot of time talking about how terrible the situation was and of course the loss of life was terrible Right. Of course, these things, you know, it's it's always, it's always, you know, a bad thing when it happens. But we don't need to do what the news does and spend minutes, hours, days dwelling on the horrificness of it, but providing no possible solutions. Right. Because people yeah. are still going to go to concerts and did the next day and the day after mm-hmm. and the month after. And, you know, it's. Or, and if they don't go to them, they're going to go to state fairs. And if they don't go to them, they're going to go to, you know, the little uh, fairs and the, you know, local fairs in the parks, like you were talking about, uh, I think, in the last thing that we had, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, know, where you put a bunch of campers between you and your son and possible bad things. Um, That's right. So, anyway, yeah. So, uh, anyway, um I'll stop talking about that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, well, so that's, that's any, good, any questions or good comments? Good point The time in the any for
0: anybody? questions.
2: Yeah. We'll uh,
0: open it up here. So,
1: yeah, you can handle that part. Looks like uh, – oh, good, Josh is in. I don't know why I'm surprised.
0: Don't see any questions on the uh, the
1: website. Yeah, I don't see anything over there. So if you have any questions, that would be the time to – Type them in or get them set up, and I don't know if Josh is just listening in or if he's actually uh, in a position or place where he can uh,
2: uh, toss something out there.
1: Okay, jumping around all over the place here. I'm sure you're doing the same thing on your end. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So maybe maybe folks are just listening in today, and yeah, I, mean, I think it's a lot of good
0: or... good pieces to absorb.
1: Yeah. All right. Was there anything else? No, I think that
0: covered for uh, what we were going to hit on uh, today.
1: Cool. All well, right. Hopefully,
0: there won't be uh, sure. any tragedies we'll have to address between now and next week. There's been a lot of those. Well, years.
1: there's tragedies that happen every day. Um, yeah. The 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 biggest tragedy, and this is what I want what I want to leave everybody with today, um, and then we can go back to joking is that the biggest tragedy that uh that I recognize is when uh, uh is when people spend time and effort training for things or you know they think they're training for things but um they 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 don't make their training specific enough, right? Hmm. So, you know, they they take self-defense classes or they take martial arts classes or whatever, and while they may have started because they saw the dangers and the certain types of attacks in the world and all that, they very quickly get swept up in the, uh, I don't know, the, the accolades and the curriculum and the, the agenda or the style or whatever, and they, you know, they get with the program, so to speak, and they yeah. never get around to training for things like this. And this is why I use the term self-protection rather than self-defense, because when, when when I you say the term self-defense, most people think of, you know, Joe Billy Bob or whoever coming at you with a gun or a knife or a fist or whatever, um, and it's this one-on-one thing where we can use these cool techniques and these cool moves and we can come out, you know, as the superhero. Uh, but self-protection goes way beyond that, you know, Dog attacks and uh, you know weather catastrophes or the the forest fires that you're you know you were talking about or uh, the yeah. you know these active shooter situations right where you can't block a bullet you know you can't uh, you can't take up Kumai, well maybe for an instant you know when when that bomb goes off or whatever and um, uh, it, it's unfortunate that it's it's you know in the past couple of years it's been coming to our shores. But, you know, for people to say, I can't believe that this exists and what changed in the world and all that, what changed is it's is it's now happening in your backyard, okay, because I've been around for a long time. I, I grew up in inner city schools. Gang violence has been around for a long time. Bullying has been around forever, right? Uh, I was training counterterrorist operations in Germany in the 80s, right? We have a brand new type of, you know, terrorist these days. Right? the The ideology's different the the way they organize themselves and operate very very different. Recruiting is very very different, but the fact that it exists is still there. What's different for people today is that they can't write off terrorism is something that happens over there. You know mm-hmm. you know how often can we hear that something blew up in Israel or Something happened in the Gaza Strip or in Pakistan or, you know, happened in Germany or, you know, whatever, and, oh, that was terrible, you know, what's the yeah. world coming to? Except that it didn't happen there. It happened in Columbine or it happened in Sandy Hook or it happened in, you know, whatever, right? So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, people have less and less of a justification for saying, I never thought it would happen. What they have to admit is, from an egocentric standpoint, they really never thought it would happen to them. Mm. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, I'll get off my pedestal now.
0: Yeah, and then uh, I think, you know, we'll we'll close it out right there and uh, return to the jokes cool. next week.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Your nose is <laughs> so then, anyway.
0: uh, no.
1: Yeah, yeah well, it kind of is. <laughs> no. It kind of is. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just thought I'd throw something out to end it with a laugh. All right, there you go. So let's wrap right. this up, and uh, I'll talk
0: to you next week. Great. Thank you for listening to KUDAD, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Shehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.